everyone is three questions with Millicent Dickey. Here we go. All right. So I'm like really excited to catch up with you, my friend, because I saw you in summer. You were the a Clover, okay, Clover, South Carolina, your school district, right? I got to yes. give you, I got to give the people in Clover a little shout out. Yes, indeed. They all need a shout out. They need lots of love. Definitely so give them lots of love. They were so wonderful. I actually remember I was, uh, it was my first speaking engagement after moving to Florida. And uh, they were, I told them that and they were like, oh, and then, and then <laughs> why did you move to Florida? And I remember that whole conversation and people were yes. like, up to me. Um, yeah. And it was like, and I was just saying to you before we even started recording, we we're recording this in September and this was like middle of July. Fine. Yes. And yes. it felt like 10,000 years ago. <laughs> so long ago. So I just want to say shout out to all of them because they were there on, and you know what? I even got a little, let's see if I got my applause button. Yeah. I got my little applause button for coming in. <laughs> right. So Clover. So it's good. So, and so for people who don't know Millicent, um, she is actually the chief academic officer with Clover, in Clover, South Carolina, Clover, is it Clover School District? Clover School District, yes. Right we up. are not a county school district. We are associated with just the town. Yeah, and it was really wonderful to meet you. And we're going to talk about the PD Day, some of the stuff that we did in our, our other podcast. But uh, okay. not only are you the chief academic officer there, I know you taught there. You also were a student there. You've lived yes. there all your life. So you have yes. lots of experiences. So I'm really fascinated to hear about um, you know, me talking about change and, and, and you being in a place the same and like, you know, the same place for a while and kind of like how you see those things kind of intersecting. But let's talk about some of your inspirations from your educational career. Uh, Millie said, when you think of a, a teacher who really inspired you, and it's going to be kind of interesting because it's probably a teacher that maybe lives in the community still. Who knows, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, who's, he does. Who's, oh, that's I love it. Who is a teacher <laughs> that inspired you and why? So the teacher that inspired me's name is Mrs. Shirley Grayson, and she was my English language arts teacher in what you all now call middle school. But when I grew up, it was junior high. Seventh and eighth grade was junior high. And she was my English language arts teacher then. And um, the thing that I think most inspired me about Miss Grayson is that Everybody loved her. Now, granted, she was firm. She wasn't a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. She wasn't. But everyone loved her. And she inspired you to want to be better and to do your best all the time. Uh, she had lots of creative ways for teaching vocabulary and um making stories interesting and making novels interesting to my junior high school self at that time. And um, I just can't really say enough about her. When I think about uh, teachers who really go the extra mile in helping to inspire students who really want uh, students to succeed and to do well, and just figuring out the creative way to make sure that she was going to cement your learning. You weren't going to leave her class not knowing something. Um, she is my role model of the rock star teacher. She was um, personalized learning before it existed. So, uh, <laughs> so I just want to say uh, shout out to her. Uh, hopefully she's um, doing well and whatnot because she still lives here. But I will indeed say she was she was truly a rock star. 
Shirley Grayson, if you are listening or if you're watching. <laughs> love it. And or if that, somebody sees her often, please tell her that yeah, she sure, still I'm gets sure lots are. of flowers. Yes. I'm sure, I'm sure. That, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. And it's actually really interesting because, um, I, you know, people know I like to joke around and mess around and stuff like that. I'm very firm with my kids. Like, I'm very, yeah. right? And, yes. But they also know I love them. And I think right. I think a lot of people kind of have this misconception that sometimes firm people is not an unloving thing, but yes. actually, for me, a lot of times some of the the most strict, um, sometimes disciplined educators they do that actually out of love because they want right. you to excel to something, right? They want you to exactly. grow to to your potential. And I think a lot of times that's when I like I've had some really interesting conversations with administrators in the past saying like. If you're not having some of these tough conversations with your teachers, it is actually a disservice to them because you're letting them flounder and that actually doesn't help them. Right. And so, like, sometimes we have to have that conversation like that. That is tough to help them. I actually just sat on the podcast, I think, just yesterday talking about she was like kind of like said to her, like, are you sure you want to teach? Right. And it was like kind of like you got to like you got to think different here because they saw the right. potential but maybe the person wasn't living up to it right, right. I, I love that because it shows right years later you remember right. this i love that so so speaking about administrators i know that okay. you are currently chief academic officer so you are an yes. administrative role but i'm sure yes. you've worked with principals different leaders um who is an administrator that really stuck out to you whatever the role you know wherever they were whether it's a student you know as a colleague who's someone you think of and why so this is going to kind of probably be a little bit out of the box, but I um, I am a principal's kid. So um, my mom was an elementary principal. My dad was a middle school, junior high assistant principal. So actually, I had them as students. So there's nothing worse than being your junior high self. And you're trying to be cool. You're trying to be your cool self. And your dad is the assistant principal. That is like the worst feeling ever. It's like, no wonder I'm probably like traumatized and scarred for life. <laughs> did you, did, I got to ask you, this. Did, you say, did you say, did you reference him as dad when he's assistant principal? Yes, I did. Because, well, I really tried not to reference him at all. I tried to please, like, you know, do not come near me. Like, Middle school, junior high, lunch, don't come speak to me. We really don't need to have a connection. Uh, but he did anyway. So, I mean, it's just, you know, that's okay. But um, I would say kind of... <laughs> love that. I love that. a love whole that. other story. But I would say that my... my, my um, my my administrative style, I would say, is kind of a cross between my mom and my dad. And so they're really, they have just interesting personalities. So if you can imagine, my mom is a little lady. Uh, I wish I could throw a picture so you could just kind of see, because I'm a little person too. I'm only 5'1", but my mom is about 4'11". So she always wore high heels growing up and everything and just was kind of, you know, just straight right. by the book. So on the flip side, my dad was like 6'1". And so he was 6'1", you know, and imposing at, at that time, not now, but, you know, mm -hmm. 35 years ago, walk into a room. That's kind of a big person, right. uh, but had a very kind of teddy bear sort of like personality. So I say <laughs> as a human being, I'm a pit bull teddy bear mix. And so... <laughs> 
because right. my mom was the pit bull. My dad is the teddy bear. I mean, it's just it's just just kind of the way that it was. But anyway, so I say I'm a mix uh, between that. But I think kind of a lot of things that I've learned administratively and that I think about and I carry with me every day are crossed between things that that mm-hmm. they did. So my dad was truly about the relationship like he felt like. I'm going to build relationships with kids. I'm going to build relationships with adults. And and he never used that word in terms of, you know, like now we talk about building relationships. Like I try and coach people, you know, you've got to build a relationship before you, um, before you get anyone to do anything. Uh, And so my dad was just kind of the master, I think at that, at building relationships and just never, um, you know, always stressed to me the importance of building relationships with everybody, that there was never anybody that you you wouldn't just try and build a relationship with in the workplace and that that was very important. So he he was teaching me that as a kid, which I thought, OK, that's that's something that I carry with me today. Um, and my mom is, is, is just, you know, I think her lesson, and I I don't think it, but it's always about doing what's right. And so sometimes, you know, she will, she will ask me, you know, sometimes she's my sounding board because I'm not married. So I've got to have somebody to sound off on some of these things when I can't sound off at work. And, you know, she will say, well, is that decision, did that benefit the kids? Or did you do that decision because it was easy for you? Or, you know, what motivated you to make the decision that you did? And so I, I do take that uh, along with me that, you know, some decisions are very unpopular, but I'm trying not to think about what works for the moment or what's necessarily popular, but that, you know, six months down the road, six years down the road, is there an implication from that that is going to be negative for a child? And I don't want that to happen. I I could not. I love this so much. And just wait, we got to give a little shout out. That's awesome. One of the one of the um, best superintendents I ever worked for is that like I've never like is exactly what you described, but I've never thought I've never thought of this person. <laughs> okay. her yes. And she was like she was, and I love this because she was very visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very, and I always I'm like, look, do not get on her bad side. I just yes. don't. <laughs> do not get on the bad but side. If yes. But if you're on her good side. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. And, and she and she it wasn't like she didn't go looking to like get you on her bad side. Like if you mm-hmm. if she felt you were messing up with the future of kids, you would know. She would make sure that would be straightened out real quick, right? And I just right. and I appreciate that about her. Um, and it really was something that really mattered to me. And I think one of the things that you said really kind of regards to your mom. I think a lot of times um, when we're making decisions in education, it's really easy to do what you said is what's popular right now and actually could actually like make us look good right now. Right now. But long term, it can actually hurt the kids. kids and sometimes the decisions we're making and there's so many facets of life that this is true in and we won't go mm-hmm. into them, but I'm sure people can figure this out where he's like, say, hey, this make us look good right now. Right. But long term, it can actually hurt people. And that's, you know, something that's reality. So I love I love I love that mix. I love that mix. I think it is so important, too. Right. Because like you and I were talking before, uh, for me, when when I had to make a tough decision, the the thing I always try to do is get your ego out the way. What is best for kids? And then if it's hard, you will be able to sleep at night. That yes, we'll sleep (laughs) at night. But if it was about your ego and you're like wrestling around. 
you might have done this for the wrong reason. reason. Right. Yeah. That's exactly so I love right. All right. So last question. I love, okay. I love, I love that answer. I love that answer. So last question. I, uh, you have been in Clover, um, pretty much your whole educational career. I don't want to say yes. teaching career. Cause it's like, you were there as a student. <laughs> one year you were somewhere else. Yes. Uh, so you look back on your career. I'm sure that there's things you're like, wow, I wish I could have, I would have done something different then. Right. What, like, what advice would you give to your like first year teacher self? If you can go back and talk to that person. Oh, goodness. There is so much I would give to my first year teacher self. That is just, oh, that's unreal. But I really think that the thing that I would tell my first year teacher self is never, never stop learning. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do think it's important um, to to be in those places where you and spaces where you learn uh, and, and surround yourself with people who are willing to learn. If if you are the only person on your team that is still willing to learn and still willing to give it your best, you're probably on the wrong team. And if you really want to stay in the education field, you need to talk to your principal about putting you with somebody who wants to still learn and wants to still give it their all. Um, my superintendent and I were having a conversation because she heard it on the radio. I read it in an article about this thing called quiet quitting and how now that people have the mindset of there's only so much they're going to do and they're not going to do any more. And so if you are in that space where you're no longer learning or you're around a bunch of people that are quiet quitting, that is not going to bode well for our world going forward. So always continue to learn and advocate for yourself to be in a space with people who want to learn to, who are not content with doing it the same way that they did it last year and the year before that and the year before that. You, you always have to be hungry to learn. And I, you know, I think about that now and I think, huh, I could probably retire now. I'm, I'm close enough to it, but do I really want to? And I, I'm not at the point where I'm, quiet quit. Like I, I'm still excited every day. And I, and I think about what is it that we want to do next to make sure that uh, kids have a better life when they leave us. And I just say, always be in the position where you're always willing and ready to learn. Well, you know, like I, I it's kind of like the old adage of like, you're the average of the five people you're surrounding yourself with. And I, right. to- I totally agree with that. Right. Like yeah. um, I've had lots of conversations in the past that a lot of teachers have left the profession not yes. because they they were they hated it is because they felt they weren't being challenged that they had outgrown their organization sure. and that people didn't like if you have that principle that just stays out your way mm-hmm. eventually that's gonna that's gonna come back to haunt you right you want right. you want people to kind of push you there's yes. something that you said though that reminded me of something because you said about you know I, you know i still want to learn right i could retire exactly. i don't want exactly. to because i still want to grow and still want to get better so years ago, I was you'll you'll get a kick out of this because I know you see me <laughs> talk. So I was actually at an event, and you know I talk about you know innovation, moving forward, you know new ways of thinking about teaching and learning. And so there's a there's a gentleman there, one of the nicest guys, just super nice gentleman, right? And he was like kind of like not really into what I was saying. He was struggling with it. Very nice. We had great conversations. And so uh, he's like, I don't know, do I really want to do this? You know, and he's kind of resistant to it. And, uh, so about a month later, someone, um, from that organization, they emailed me and they said, Hey, do you remember that, that guy, that superintendent who, or I think it was a principal, that principal that was struggling, well, he retired and he actually, 
he actually gave his retirement speech and he cited you as the reason. <laughs> so I was like, what? Oh, no. Said, no, 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 it's actually good. So the, so, the, so the the gentleman, he said, you know, I was thinking about retirement. I was struggling with it. But then George came and said, I'm out. I, I got to go. And the reason I left, and I thought this was so powerful. He said, the reason I left was I know the things he's saying. I know we have to do them. I know how important it is. I just don't want to anymore. And I don't want to stay in this position and and not grow because that's not fair to the kids. And I don't want to grow in this anymore. I'm I'm done. But I don't right. think I should just be here. I like and just take up a space. I don't want to be retired, but stay here for another five years. Years, and I, right. And that exactly. was so admirable that that was the way he framed it and right. the way he looked at it. And it just reminded me of what you said, right? Like, because um, you, you never want to, I, for me, I want to, I want to like finish what I'm doing and go like, oh, he left too early yes. rather than the opposite, right? Like, oh, he should have left right. like 10 years ago doing this, right? So, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I love this conversation. I can't wait to talk more, Millie. And, yeah. you know, it's so great to, to, catch up with you and think oh, about my time to catch up here. and everyone yes. thank you so much for listening make sure you connect with millie you can see the information down below but thank you again for being on the podcast i really love chatting with you today